Welcome everybody. Week five of the Blitz. I'm Chris Westfall, your host, alongside Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host. Boy, everybody is in the building tonight. I didn't even have to go looking for anybody. No bye this week. No, no bye one. weeks. Well, except for the Mountaineers. Yes, the they Mountaineers had week. to take some time off. Guys, um, impressive win. Can we can we call beating Kansas impressive? I'm not. Not. Um, I'm still up in the air. I'm still trying to figure out the identity, not only of the Mountaineers but of Kansas. Aaron Host, your opinions. I'm not impressed with the spread of the game, but I am impressed with how the rushing team, the rushing part of the Mountaineers have turned around. Okay, fair enough. Um, You could call it sloppy. Uh, you can call it ugly. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest thing that we've ever seen. That's for sure. True. Um, there were some bright spots. I think we can look at it that way. There were some bright spots, like Aaron said. The running game That's again right. comes through. Martel Petaway, give it up to him. I mean, game. he uh, did not have a carry against NC State. Comes out with six for forty yards. That's averaging almost seven yards a carry. Two touchdowns, and, and both of them came in critical parts of the game. Kennedy McCoy has another solid week. 20 carries, 73 yards and a touchdown. Letty Brown still looking really good. 12 carries, 70 yards at six a carry. Um, Austin Kendall, you look he managed at, the game good. He, he managed the game. You, you think when you see a guy throw 37 passes and he completes 25 of them, that he had a pretty good day, but it was only for 202 yards. No touchdowns, but key no interceptions. Right. West Virginia wins the turnover battle again. Two turnovers to none. Big part of that game. Guys, the one part that I really want to hone in on, because you know when you're playing a Les Miles coach team, at somewhere the Mad Hatter is going to go trickery on you. And let's talk the onside kick. Third quarter, he, he actually faked an injury to his kicker. Had him fake an injury so West Virginia wouldn't wonder why the onside kicker was out there. Only mistake he made, he kicked the ball straight up in the air. It never touched the ground. Was was anybody aware of that rule? Because I wasn't. We actually had to look it up when we were talking about it. And the rule we're talking about was the penalty that was called for kick-catch interference on an onside kick. Did you realize that was a rule? No, I didn't. No. No, I, I didn't either. We were, we were watching the game. And um, my brother-in-law was like, how's that kick-catch interference? But the new rule with all the changes with the kickoff is, if the ball goes up in the air, you got to give the guy room to catch it. If it bounces first, then you've got, uh, you can make a play on the ball. So that was a critical part of the game. What about you, Neil? Some things that you saw that uh, critical parts of that game where you thought the Mountaineers handled it very well. Well, uh, you mentioned a lot of the things offensively. Those were good things uh, for the Mountaineers. Uh, the the one key probably that I would take away from this was, again, we made uh, their quarterback look like this uh, great guy uh, who eludes defenders. We also gave him some time uh, passing, I thought, at times where he uh, beat us. So those are things that I kind of disagreed with. I thought uh, defensively we just wasn't there. But then I didn't think King um, – 
Kendall looked as sharp as what he could have been, uh, and uh, there were some passes that I thought uh, could have been uh, thrown a little bit better. Uh, so I was a little bit uh, not in particular uh, thinking that uh, yeah. Kendall played his best game in this in this matchup. He played enough to manage it and win it, yeah. but he didn't play his best game by any uh, stretch of the imagination. And uh, again, it was a a game that I thought that if you're going to make a point and uh, that you're going to be a good team, you're going to try to win this one convincingly. And we kind of just like Kansas stick around, stick around, and stick around. And then they even had a chance to win the game at the end. And that's really not what you want to do, especially on the road. If you've got a 10-point yeah. lead, you better put your foot down. Only two sacks. So, no, they didn't get the pressure on the quarterback. And at times they made Carter Stanley look like he was a very mobile, agile quarterback when eh, probably isn't. Other than that, you got to look, though. Keith Washington comes up a bit again with a big interception in, a, in a key time key, of the game. Key plays, yeah. There were some key plays, like I said, defensively and offensively. There was key plays. But then we just didn't put our foot down on that pedal, Chris. I mean, you had a 10-point lead, and we just allow them to come back and get into the game and have a chance to win it at the end. I mean, that little uh, hook and – That hook and ladder play, play at the end. Yeah, I mean – they, they have a chance to win that when they got down to, what, the 20 before he was tackled. Yeah. yeah. I, I still think that, yeah, and I pointed it out when we when we made our picks last week. You're still learning the whole road aspect. We saw him struggle, struggle in Missouri. Uh, then you go to Kansas. So I think they're starting to figure it out a little bit. Now they get some time away from the road. So we'll see how much they improve between now and that next road game. I'll take an ugly win right now. Hey. I mean, when we look at our assessments before the year, and we've had a year to think about this, and we knew we was going to struggle. The good thing about this is we are halfway to bowl eligibility. Hey, yeah, it's it's crazy, and, right? You know, we just got to steal a few now. So I want I want to remind you guys, though. Okay, if you remember our preseason show, I I put out three different. Uh, columns of games. Must wins. Must wins, bubble games, yeah. and you're probably not going to win those games. All the games we have played so far were either must wins, which we've won all those so far because I had us needing to beat NC State, needing to beat Kansas, and needing to beat Youngstown State. My win total was four. James, James, Madison. Madison. James Madison. I'm sorry, who did I say? Youngstown State. Yeah, I always get them confused. Youngstown's last year. Yeah, yeah. But there's only one of those must wins left, which... I don't know if it's a must win now. You still got to pull it off or you got to change one of those games around. Kansas State was my other one and they're they're looking a lot better. Uh but you got Oklahoma some other State's teams than we expect. Yeah, you got some other teams in that conference though that aren't looking as good. One of them's Iowa State who is coming to Morgantown in 3 weeks. So so that is a possibility. And, and you know you look down the schedule. Can these guys is there three more winnable games on the schedule? Aaron, I'll ask you that. Do you think there's three more wins on this schedule to get them to bowl eligibility? I definitely think there is. When they're improve, it seems like they're improving in different assets during the game. And once you get them to midseason form and they're clicking, they understand the system. The game they uh, barely won against Kansas, I want to say. I don't think they're going to get wiped out against Texas. I, I honestly don't. I think it's going to be a very close game in Morgantown. 
let's just take the Maryland uh, Maryland game for instance. Maryland goes beats Howard seventy nine to nothing. They beat another team sixty two to like twenty three, and then they barely pull up against Temple. It's all how the team plays that week. You don't know what team you're going to get That's against true. Texas. Texas could think they're going to have a laugher in Morgantown, and all of a oh, sudden no. you're going into the fourth quarter and we're up by three. No, I, I don't think there's any way, shape, or form Texas comes in here uh, thinking that we're a pushover. Now, you might get them peeking ahead a little bit to Oklahoma the next week, but I think Tom Herman is so focused on beating the Mountaineers because everything that's been said in the offseason and last year's game as well. Now, we'll get more into Texas um, next week. Of course, a bye week coming up this week for the Mountaineers. Guys, one stat I want to point out to you. Actually, no. Let me. I want to get your guys' thoughts first. Are there three more wins on this schedule? I think so. Um, I, I'm. If I was to point out and say, well, what three games do you think are winnable for this team? I think the Iowa State game at home is a yeah. winnable game. I believe Baylor is a mm. winnable game on the road, uh, just kind of like the Kansas game. I think it'll be close, but you could surprise this team and pull out a victory at, at Baylor, and then I, I kind of think you could beat TCU. How about Texas Tech? Texas Tech's another Texas one of those Tech teams. Could be there. It's, so if one of those teams you couldn't beat, then yeah. Texas Tech is alternative. Kelly Gamble? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that they, they can whether they do or not, because yeah. I also told you a few weeks ago that after that Missouri game, it did. It was a debacle. <laughs> it looked so bad. I wasn't sure that I could see a win. Um, I thought maybe Kansas, but then when Kansas went to Boston College and rolled up, I know it's Boston College, but yet they're still an ACC of Power 5, and they put up a lot of big numbers against BC, and yeah. they have two great running backs, Kansas does. And we, by the way, that's what I want to say as far as the Kansas game. I mean, we bottled up those running backs. Yeah. I mean, they had 103, I believe, yards between them. Yeah, actually, they they had uh, between Puka Williams and Khalil Herbert, they had ninety no a hundred and three yards. Yeah, hundred. Uh, you add in Carter Stanley's stats, takes them up to one hundred and forty-two. Now, now the statement I was getting to before I threw it back to you, real quick, guys. This defense has not allowed a one hundred yard rusher yet. And we did talk about it that the defense would be improved, and there's no doubt Vic Coning has done a, a wonderful job. And I think that's what's going to keep us in games. Because if we go back to the Missouri game, you know, it, it looks horrible at the moment. But when you look at the stats, Missouri didn't have a lot of yards. No, and uh, they didn't allow a touchdown so, in the second yeah, half. In the second half. So, they actually so beat overall, them in I mean, the second this half. defense is looking good. They, I mean, the defensive line, this is what we've been waiting for, to see mm-hmm. a defensive line that was able to actually use their abilities and this not keep people off the linebackers. So I'm impressed with the defense, and I think the defense will keep us in games. I think our offense is where we're still struggling. I think that uh, hopefully uh, Kendall gets better as the year progresses. But each game, guys, and you can't look at one game. Take the Missouri game out. Okay, let's just look at it kind of like the beginning. Okay, we struggled against James Madison, but we found a way to win. Missouri, it got bad because that's the first time you take on a real team. But after that, guys, you have there hasn't been one game in NC State or Kansas where you haven't seen some form of improvement. Right. And that's that's a credit to the coaching staff. Yeah. A uh, couple other things on that defensive side of the ball. Of course, Vandarius Cowan is off suspension. We'll talk more about him in the break uh, after we take a break, I should say, in our next segment. Uh, a lot of things to get to this week, guys, even though it is an off week. Um, 
I want to get everybody's thoughts on last Thursday night and Houston and Tulane. Uh, we'll talk about that after the break. Boy, it, it just seems like we still love talking about Dana, doesn't it, Aaron? I do. I, I love watching the guy suffer. I really do. It's just, it warms my heart. Warms my heart. Uh, of course, uh, even his son getting in on the um, Twitter um, some some talking going on there. Like I said, we'll, we'll talk more about that in the break. Overall, though, I think week four, you get a win. You get out of there. And, guys, if you would have thought, beginning of the season, West Virginia's 3-1 and one, heading into your bye week, you would have felt pretty darn good about things. Kelly, especially after the Missouri game. After the Missouri game especially. But my thoughts was that they would be at least 3-1. and one. My prediction was 5-7. and seven. So there's yeah. two more games, but again, I want six and six at least. So I want the bowl game, of course. I mean, I'm a Mountaineer fan, but no, you're right. After the Missouri game, I'm not sure that I would believe that they would be three and one. Uh, but so I am. I'm impressed with an ugly win at Kansas, and Kansas, I do believe, is better than we think, even though they lost to Coastal Carolina. By the way, real quick, I did look up James Madison's scores after our game. Oh, yeah. They are unloading on these other teams mm-hmm. and putting up big, big numbers. I-, I told you guys that James Madison team is a good football team. You did not just beat some random. Uh, FCS team that was looking for a paycheck. I had to look it up. I was curious, and I didn't look until this this week. But they, they have won all three games convincingly and exploding on offense. And, and I know that they're FCS, but still, they're a good football team. They have a team. chance to go to the championship. I mean, they're still number two. I, they didn't, probably they didn't win drop it. down after losing to the Mountaineers. They're still number two in I, FCS. I will, I will be very interested to see how their, their season ends up. I, I think they could win that. FCS FCS championship again this year, which is great for a brand new head coach. Yes, <laughs> you uh, know, changing of uh, of the guard at, at James Madison. So, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some more Mountaineers. We'll talk some Houston football as well. Interested to get all your guys' thoughts on everything that is going on down in Cougarland in Houston. Stay tuned, everybody. You're listening to the Blitz on 96.7 K Country. Welcome back. It is segment two of The Blitz. And don't forget, if you miss a moment of the show tonight, I know a lot going on here in the Preston County area. So if you are turning things off, make sure you tune us in sometime throughout the week. We are simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Aaron Host, let them know where they can find that podcast. So you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, KCountryRadio.com, and the link we provide on Facebook and Twitter, which is usually SoundCloud.com. You can like it. You can subscribe to it. So every time we drop a notification on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, you'll get a notification on your phone saying the newest edition of the Sports Roundtable has dropped. You can listen to it anytime you want, pick up where you left off, and you can also hear weeks before if you missed anything from the week before and you're wondering why we said something in a certain show and we didn't say something in a certain show, you can always revert back to listening. So definitely check it out, and it's free. Guys, I would like to wish all of you a happy Buckwheat Festival. It is the Buckwheat Festival week here in Kingwood, 78th annual guys i know somebody is up there right now chowing down on some buckwheat cakes had that buckwheat cake eating contest up there at the community building just uh it should be underway about right now kelly i know you can eat buckwheat cakes like a madman i used to be able to chris but uh 
Uh, I had a few stomach issues. I've dropped 15 pounds, and so I will have some, but not, I will not overconsume. How, how many could you do at one time? At one time, uh, I was in a contest, and I ate 27. 27 buckwheat cakes. That's a lot of buckwheat. And that was the first six or eight was with sausage. Weak. <laughs> Aaron Ho says weak. Uh, my son-in-law, my son-in-law might have thought the same thing. And when he hit eighteen, he went to the bathroom, and it didn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, a couple notes from the press conference before we get to my fight song of the week. Of course, we mentioned Vandarius Cowan will be available for the Texas game, and offensive lineman Josh Seals is out for the remainder of the season. He underwent a surgery. Neil Waldeck, real quick, your thoughts. Vandarius Cowan, do you think he makes a big impact right out of the gate. Do you think he gets a lot of playing time? What, what do you think about Vandarius? Because Coach um, Brown saying that he would be looked at very hard through this week and next week's practices. I think I think he can make an impact on the defense. I think he has he brings with him some speed to the outside. Uh, you know, will it make a big difference? I don't know. But he could help impact that uh, defense at the linebacker spot. It'll help with depth, no doubt about that. And then he does have some speed. So if you're facing a team such as Texas here in the next couple of weeks, and Ellinger likes to yep. get out and run a little bit with his speed, that could help contain him just a little bit better than what you would without him. So it could help. I, I, do, I do believe he does impact. And on uh, Sills uh, being out, uh, I don't think that that uh, – does anything? I don't yeah, think I, the only thing it could is a depth wise on depth. the offensive line that might be yeah. a little bit short there. But uh, he wasn't starting at this point in time, and actually they improved uh, once they mm, took him out. They Not saying it, that he wasn't good. Maybe he was struggling with that. It injury. makes you wonder if he was injured, but, yeah, and, and just was trying to gut it out. Kelly Gamble, your thoughts of Andarius Cowan coming well, he, in he the Alabama transfer. Uh, yes. Preseason depth chart. So, Until he, he had uh, some so great issues. He, obviously, he made an impact to, to the coaches, and uh, I agree with Neil. I think that the speed factor, but I think he brings some toughness as well, and he also brings a mentality from Alabama. So, when you know, when you're coached uh, at Alabama, yeah. um, I, I'd like to think that he carries that with him onto the field and <laughs> that he – I'm believing he won't. I mean, Shea Campbell, I want to give a kudos to Shea hey. Campbell uh, for the Kansas game. You know, the kids from Morgantown High, and uh, we I've seen a lot of kids over the years that just have a lot of West Virginia pride, and so uh, Shea Campbell has, has played well, I think, up to this and point. And I don't think he's done by any stretch of the means. I, I think you'll still see him. I think you still see Chandler. I just think you'll you'll see Vandarius Cowan yeah. mixed in. You missed, mentioned the Alabama mentality. Th that's what concerns me. Is because Saban got rid of this guy because he was uh, uh, supposedly an attitude problem. Yes. Yes. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And then you've had you know some school issues that have kept him out these first uh, three or four games. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Aaron Host, Vondarius Cowan, thoughts on him? Well, he definitely has an experience of winning with 
Alabama. He's been in the national title game yeah, before, he so he's a guy who's definitely a proven winner. He knows how to adapt to certain situations. He's played against the top teams in the nation, so I think it adds a, a great level of depth, especially at the linebacker position, which in years past you could never have too much depth at the linebacker position as the Mountaineers have always been hit hard in that position. The only thing that concerns me, as every one of you guys have already said, he's been he's been dismissed by – when you're dismissed by Nick Saban, mm-hmm. that, that's saying something. It's almost like uh, – one of the ESPN reporters saying it's like the kiss of death, like when the Patriots release you in the NFL. <laughs> it's it, it's pretty bad when something like that happens. It showed on there that he was also arrested for third degree assault. So he's definitely a guy that you should keep your eye on on the field, and definitely yeah. keep your eye on him off the field. I, I just hope Neil Brown can get him, turn him around, and because the kid can play, and, and that's hopefully what happens. Uh, guys, we got a full week before West Virginia will tee it up against Texas. A lot of excitement building. It will be homecoming at Mountaineer Field for the Texas game. Just announced 3.30 kickoff for that game. And we'll talk more West Virginia, Texas next week here on the Blitz and the Sports Roundtable podcast. Guys, segment two means my fight song of the week. And I've saved it until now because we are about to talk about the team who's featured in the fight song of the week. We're not talking Houston, Neil. We're talking the two-lane green wave. Hey, they had an excellent game, didn't they? Oh, my. Did you see the last 30 seconds of that game? I did. You I like the call. You had a play I had never seen before. I know. The fake Neil Victory formation. Fake, fake victory. Kneel down. Reverse to the wing back for 20 yards. And then the 50-yard pass, which three Houston Cougars missed the tackle on his way to the end zone. Guys, a lot of talk been made about, I, I don't know if you call it Dana bashing or, or what, but you know everybody has an opinion on Dana Holgerson. And, of course, that was a brutal loss that he had last week and you think they they blew a huge lead and then it seems like that they were not prepared for what was coming at the end of the game and what most people weren't prepared for at the end of the game in his post game press conference I want to play this right now this is Dana Holgerson after the loss to Tulane on Thursday night well, I'm looking at the stats, and our, our, I mean, we're better than them at every every statistical category. Obviously, except for the score. I've never seen an ending like that in my life. I've been coaching for 25 years. I've never seen it. I thought we, I thought the last drive offensively, which you can talk about struggles all you want to. We had 533 yards. We snapped the ball a lot. Our third down percentage was. 50%, which is really good. Our punt team was really good, and we didn't punt that much. Didn't turn the ball over. You know, we did once, but uh, you can say we played bad. That's fine. You can, you can, you know, you can say I coached bad. That's fine. You can say I didn't have any halftime adjustments. That's fine. You can say I didn't have them ready to, ready to go. That's fine, too. I don't care. That's all good. Uh, comes down to the end where we had a chance to, to, to score and win. We didn't. And then it's just completely unacceptable on every single level to let them go 70 yards in 14 seconds. I, I don't know what to say. I got to do a better job of getting our guys ready to play. 
I will assume the responsibility of not having enough in the tank to be able to finish this game when we had an opportunity to be able to finish it. Is there any more questions? I think I answered about five of them right there. Awesome. Thank you. There you go, guys. I, I mean, a minute and 20 second press conference after the game, he answered one question. Of course, at the end of it, he says, I think I just answered about five of them there. Uh, the first thing that stands out to me, just the arrogance of it all, the the it it's not the taking responsibility of it. And so much has been said on social media this week about the game and that press conference from Mountaineer fans. It's, okay, the first thing off, I haven't seen anything like that in my 25 years of coaching. Sounds familiar, right? He said right. that a lot. Uh, he, he goes on to say, you know, you can blame it on me about not making adjustments and not having the guys ready to play. It's all things that we heard for eight years and just the arrogance of it all. The, the funny two-liners that I love the most. We punt it well, but we didn't punt much. Uh, and it is completely unacceptable to let them go 70, 70 yards in 15 seconds. You think, Dana? <laughs> you think? Well, I think part of that was the the fake that they had. I think that really set them up uh, with that victory formation that we just alluded to before you played that uh, bit there. But um, he, the, his whole team was faked out on that victory formation, and which set them up in very good field position. It and did. Then, which, granted, give it to Tulane because that was an extraordinary it call. Was. But when you throw, okay, it's the last seconds of the game. Okay, yes. the only way they have to beat you is to throw the ball in the end zone. Kelly Gamble, you're a defensive guy. If you got seconds left on the clock, okay, what do you do when you know the team is going to throw it 50 yards down the field? I'm going to play prevent defense, first of all. You're going to put everybody and, uh, on the goal I, I line. I talk about it even on high school football. I mean, you know, you got to set yourself up to succeed. And so, I mean, if you're not doing that, I mean, most any, I mean, you learn that. And I want to see, I'm not mm -hmm. being rude to Dana Holgerson or any other program, but you learn that stuff in little league. Yeah. I mean, coaches teach that if, you know, if you're up big in a game, then you're going to drop back your defenders and you're going to make sure you don't give up, you know, keep them in front of you. That's yeah. what you got to do. You got to keep them in front of you no matter what. You can have 537 yards of offense every game and still lose. <laughs> and so he's done it a I'm lot. I'm going to say this. My final statement on Dana Holgerson is this. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He's an offensive coordinator mm -hmm. that does not have the ability to be a head coach to oversee an entire program. Uh, Aaron Host, you, you've probably been the one on the show that's been the most outspoken about Dana Holgerson. Your, your thoughts on the, the game, the press conference, everything. I was literally rolling watching this thing. <laughs> I, I, I could not stop from smiling the whole time. The only thing I could think of is, God help those Houston players. I feel bad that they have to go through four years of college as his, your, as his head, as your head coach. I mean, He's, he's been a proven guy that's not been the most morally upstanding guy. He's not been the father figure, so to speak, that Neil Brown tries to personify as the Mountaineers head coach. And just the way he acts, the arrogance and the aura around him that just like it's his way or the highway, and if it goes wrong, he blames on somebody else. He doesn't take ownership. He's just a selfish guy. He's a guy that I'll say it and I'll say it till I go to my grave. He is a glorified Get that word glorified offensive coordinator, nothing more. Now, guys, the the what's happened since then is even more questioning and troublesome for Houston. So, De'Eric King, their starting quarterback, a very good quarterback, 
their lead receiver, their backup uh, quarterback. That That's just to date. They're players who are now coming out saying, look, we're going to set out this year and we're going to redshirt. Now, they're coming out and saying that they're going to stand by Houston next year. Kelly, what do you think? What is, do you think they stick by Houston? Are they true to that word? Or is this, I'm on a red shirt and I'm going to explore my options come next I year? I think that's exactly what they're doing. I think that there are some people that is disgruntled and upset. I think that uh, maybe they didn't really know what they was getting whenever they uh, had Holgerson come in. Maybe they're not used to that type of coaching. But no, I think that if you got players that are saying, I want a red shirt, they're doing just that. They're looking at their and exploring their options to possibly get in the old portal. So that's that's what I feel and believe. Maybe maybe one or two will stand by Houston, but no. If you're if you're having a good year already and starting off with your stats the way they are, then you say, well, I think I'll just redshirt now. No, I, I'd say they're setting themselves up for looking at a portal entrance. And I want to remind everybody what the statement was made last year when they fired Major Applewhite after two eight and four seasons. We fire coaches that lose four games. How long will this marriage last? Because I'm telling you, it is a long road home. About as long as it's Does that remind you of someone else, though? Mr. Rich Rodriguez? Yeah. I mean, it's similar stories everywhere he went. Yeah. So I, I see this it's, not being, actually, I see this being a little bit even. This is, it, this is different. Yeah, it is. Because you look at Rich Rod, he was at the top of his game. Dana never got there. Yeah, Dana yeah, never I, got Rod- there. Rodriguez did a better job overall as a head coach than yeah. what Holgerson ever has. So. Uh, interesting change, and I, you know, I know it's a bye week, and we're looking for things to talk about. But you know, I don't want anybody out there to think that we're just playing out Dana bashing. I, I think it's <laughs> no, uh, Chris uh, uh, Derek King's dad. Okay. Does, uh, doesn't even want him playing for Houston. Okay. I don't know if you knew that. Or I not. did not know that. Uh, but. So I think that's why King decided to take the red shirt. I think uh, Kelly and and uh, you are right that they're gonna. I think they're gonna look at options yeah. here because I don't think his dad was happy with him playing here. And you know, you take uh, King so far on this year, he had 663 yards passing, and he had six touchdowns. Somebody's going to get a heck of a quarterback because the kid is good because he can throw he and can. he can run. He's a dual threat. You know, he might even be able to step up to a bigger program than Houston. I know Houston people don't like to hear that because they feel they're a power five team. I know Neil's really excited about what may happen. We got to see this kid play last year and throw six touchdown passes against Preston High. It sounds to me like uh, Neil. Lo- go ahead. Lo- Logan <laughs> is maybe the uh, starting quarterback that would for be Houston. Logan Holgerson, Dana's son, who just played last year high school football at University High School right here and, in West Virginia. And here's been my question all along. Okay, and I'm not throwing out conspiracy theories, okay? I'm not. I don't want anybody to think that I'm throwing out a conspiracy theory. Logan Holgerson was uh, verbally committed to two universities. He, he dropped the verbals at both schools. And before we knew what we knew, you thought that maybe Logan was going to walk on here and be in a very empty quarterback room. So, okay, Dana decides he's going to leave, and all of a sudden... Logan goes and walks on at Houston. Now, I'm not throwing out conspiracy theories. But but and all of a sudden you got quarterbacks red shirting and taking time off. I'm not throwing out conspiracy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not throwing out conspiracy theories. Son acts like his dad. Hey, and I tell you he did. He made a um very 
Um, questionable tweet. This is Logan Holgerson towards Mountaineer fans had who had been speaking out on the matter of this, um, basically saying to mind our own business. And that's all that needs to be said. Anyway, uh, we're going to get off of the Houston talk. Don't forget, Mountaineer football comes back to your radio next Saturday. Big homecoming game against Texas, 3.30. Also, don't forget, we're streaming. We're not streaming. We're simulcasting on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Look us up there as well. Welcome back to The Blitz. I'm Chris Westfall, your host, alongside Neil Walda, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host. Segment three means that we have another Neil Waldeck song of the week. Boy, oh boy, Neil. It's an off week. I, I don't know what you're going to come up with this week, but let me go ahead and push the play button. And let's see what Neil has for us this week. You know, I come up with all kinds of things. I, again, Neil, I don't know what this is. Give me a break. Give me a break. Give me yeah. a break, Neil. We need a break. We're on a bye. Give me a break. <laughs> what is this? This is this was a show back in the 80s. Nell Carter, give me a break. And so I thought that that kind of went with uh, our situation. The Mountaineers need a break. They went 3-1. They deserve a break and prepare for uh, a good Texas uh, Longhorn team that's going to come in here tomorrow and push our stadium. A good Texas team looking for revenge, Neil. And they are. Because of that horn down thing. Horns down. Somebody is upset. David Sills and Will Greer is long gone. (laughs) But Coach Harmon is not. No, he remembers. Yeah. Guys, here's an interesting question. I'll, I'll let you guys answer. Do you think we will see the horns down thrown this year? Yes. You do. Oh, Neil yeah. thinks so. I, Kelly I Gamble. Don't. Not by the players, not but by the, by players, the fans. Yeah, you don't fans think will. the players do you think the players will? Neil? No. No? No no horns down uh, by I the think players. We have a better coach than that. Yeah. Aaron Host players gonna be throwing the horns down next Without week. Without a doubt. Really? You, you know don't they're think, gonna throw the horns down. You don't think happen. Neil Brown is I, gonna cut that out. If I I'll say this. If they are anywhere near close. And it's a game-clinching touchdown. I would be upset if there wasn't a horns down. <laughs> I, I know I would if I yeah, was a player. I disagree, too. I think Neil Brown has I, made his comments, and I'm sure that as a man that he is, that with integrity, I, I think he's going to definitely uh, have his players ready to play, and it's about football and not about the horns down. And he respects his uh, opponents. I don't yeah. think you're going to see. But don't let don't think for a second the fans are not going to let oh, them oh, I believe the fans will, yes. <laughs> That's what I thought he was meaning. Sold-out crowd. For that game, Milan Pushkar Stadium, 3.30, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. We are in an off week, getting prepared, getting some players back. Guys, do you think the bye week comes at a decent time of the year? To me, it's a little early. I know it comes before a big game. Texas also on their bye week this week as well. Kelly Gamble, where do, what do you think of the placement of this bye week? Uh, I mean, I think for a young team, I think it's good. I think that they can really assess those first four games. They can look at everything and, again, make other adjustments where needed. I think, again, you have also time to, to work in uh, Van Darius Cowan, which is a beneficial uh, for him and, and for the defense. But the fact that Texas has that bye week as well basically kind of mm. – because that's usually – when you have a bye week, it's nice to know that the other opponent had just basically played. Played somebody. And so, you know, it kind of hurts in that way. But overall, I think for a young team, it's a good place for it right now within this season. Neil Waldeck, and of course we'll talk more Texas next week. Do you think – 
Texas starts peeking ahead past West Virginia to the Red River rivalry the next week, the big showdown with Oklahoma. Because they play Oklahoma right after us. They do. Uh, I was uh, listening to uh, Coach Herman's, uh, he has a coach's show on the uh, Longhorn Network, and he's not taking anything lightly. He knows that uh, this is a tough league. He said he's been yelling at it all season long. That this league is tough from top to bottom, and you can't take any team lightly. So I, I don't think he will. I think he'll have his team ready to play. And we speak of that, you know, horns down thing. I think he'll remind his players oh, yeah. he of what they did at, at uh, Longhorn Stadium. They're going to come in looking for revenge. And it, and, it don't matter that Dana's gone. It don't matter Will Greer's gone. Right. It don't matter David Sills is gone. That, Gary yeah. Jennings. All those guys who were a part of that. They remember that upset. They do. They remember that upset, and they get a chance to come in here to our place on homecoming. Who made this the homecoming game? (laughs) I don't know. Back in the day, you put some pancake team on that you knew you were going to beat, so the the alumni and the donors would all be happy and giddy about homecoming. Who put Texas on homecoming? Boy, Big 12 plays you no favors there. (laughs) My goodness. Guys, speaking of Big 12 football, uh, big game last week. Oklahoma State went into Texas. Speaking of those Longhorns, good game. Texas ends up pulling it out. Um, Guys, I think we underestimated Oklahoma State, and and we've mentioned that last week as well. Uh, Good football team. Great quarterback. Really good. Really good quarterback. All speed. He's going to be one of those guys who's going to be hard to – uh, defend because of his speed. Once he gets to the outside, he makes things happen. Uh, he's kind of like a Pat White of years ago. He's just a great athlete, and he, he showed that against Texas. And he can throw the ball, which is scary. Yes. He can beat you. He, I wouldn't really compare him to Pat. I would compare him to a Kyler Murray. Uh, two, some... two teams that I'm impressed with uh, would be Kansas State yep. and um, Oklahoma State. Both those teams, new coaches, New programs there, and boy, they've got the right talent, uh, the right players. Uh, they're doing everything right. I think you'll see an impact of the Big 12 because of those two teams right there. I agree. I, I think those are teams that we was hoping to have those victories that mm. we, you know, was getting them to. Chris, you went four and eight. I went five and seven. These two guys went a little better at seven and five, but. Uh, Kansas State was one of those games that was a must that I thought yeah. we would have. And now, you know, right now, now it's week to week with me. Especially, I, uh, you know, it's a better league overall from is. top to bottom. It is. Uh, there's a few surprising teams that aren't doing what you thought. I, Iowa State, namely. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk more and about Baylor. them in the. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with Baylor, and that game's on our pick sheet. Um, I'm interested to see that game because I. I just don't know about Baylor. They, I know they had a hard time with Rice last week. Neil's making sure to point that out. But I want to see him play somebody. So we'll, we'll get that opportunity this upcoming week. Also in the Big 12 last week, guys, I told you, I wanted to take SMU last week. I wanted so bad to take that upset, yeah. and I didn't. Talked myself out of it. SMU beats TCU, knocks them out of the top 25. TCU's another one of those teams. Uh, you're expecting 15 and a half point favorites against mm-hmm. Kansas. That kind of surprises me, Chris. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, because uh, that Kansas football team is going to beat somebody this year. 15 and a half. I just looked at it. 
and that amazes me. They're not the Kansas of the past. I, I agree. It's a I mean, different coaching I, I thought coaching about taking staff. Kansas, but I, I didn't because it was at TCU. Mm-hmm. But 15 and a half points, I can't believe that. Also in the um, running game. college football last week, very sad day for me because you see one of the greatest streaks in college football. Central Florida had a 27-game regular season winning streak broken by Pitt. Aaron's favorite team. It was Pitt. If any other team, I would have been kind of like, okay. It couldn't happen the week before to Stanford. But Pitt. I mean, it happens to Pitt. It's almost like jabbing a wooden stake in a vampire's heart. That's how it feels (laughs) to me. It it really hurts my soul. Yeah. I, I mean, how bad can it be? That would be worse than thirteen to nine. Losing to Pitt's the worst loss there can be. You can lose. It is. You could have lost to James Madison sixty-two to nothing, but you lose to Pitt, your season's done. Yeah, yeah. Central Florida now no chance, no chance. Um, if they would have won that game, I thought they had a very good opportunity. If they ran the table to possibly break into the playoff, no chance now. Not now. They're done. Not even. But next the, you know, Pitt's got their old uniforms out. Reminded me back in uh. the Dan Marino days. Uh. 80s. Do you see the unis? Hey, guys, what are we thinking about Michigan? Um, Last week, uh, well, three of us, three of us in this room had Michigan preseason Final Four. Neil Waldeck, myself, and Aaron Host. I stuck with them last week just because I felt like I needed to because everybody else had jumped ship on them. Michigan is in worlds of trouble. They are. They're falling quickly (laughs) and... uh, Coach Harbaugh is going to be probably on the hot seat. Uh, just, uh, you know, they thought this was going to be the year because yeah. they missed the playoffs just by so much. And then they thought Jim Harbaugh had the right skilled players in the right position uh, for this year. And boom, you lose at Wisconsin. I seen an interesting question on social media the other day, and it was posed by, I don't know who he was, but I was reading it. Interesting question. So you get Rich Rod there in his prime. Okay, we know how that ended up. You got Brady Hoke there, uh, a Michigan man, and when he was doing fairly well. Neither of those guys could do it. They chased them both out of town very quickly. Now Harbaugh's there, Michigan man, and he's not doing, he's not living up to the expectations that Michigan wants. Is it the coach or is it Michigan? Is Michigan one of those programs that are just living off their past in general. Kelly, I know you got a thought of that. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of times, I mean, you know, you got the the tradition that's rich. I mean, you got a hundred and some thousand fans there every week and uh, and then you got the name Harbaugh. Yeah. So I think that uh yeah, I think they do live off of their rich tradition of who they've always been and uh, you know, uh, right now, I mean, what's, they're having trouble stopping the run. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, Army showed it, and then uh, Mr. Taylor went off for two over 200 yards. He for had 174 in the first quarter. Yep. So First quarter. Unbelievable. Aaron, host your thoughts on Michigan since they were in your final four? Are they still there? No, I hope not. No. Without a doubt. They're not in my final four. But Michigan, I think they're just one of the programs that's cursed. They live off the pass, and they don't excel forward. That's why you see other teams in their division, such as Penn State, making those strides, and Penn State doesn't live off their pass. Yeah. They're 
Well, or moving well they forward. definitely can't live yeah, off they their can't past. Live off their past. <laughs> I mean, they have to move forward. I mean, I'm mean, no pun intended there, yeah. but I mean, you have to move forward, and you can't embrace the old. It's kind of like Pitt fans trying to say uh, they're better than WVU. They're trying to live off of those '70s championships. Yeah. Um, Neil Waldeck says no. parody. I'm I'm beginning to agree this year. I think parody is really yeah. at its peak right now in college football. You look at teams like USC. You you just don't know what oh, to yeah. think about USC. Uh, they they don't show up against a BYU and then they beat Utah. Uh, I mean, and then you see UCLA though overcome a thirty two point deficit <laughs> against Washington State, who is ranked. Yeah, uh, that's amazing to me. Thirty two points uh, that's unheard of. California beats Mississippi last week. Everybody right. thought Mississippi might have a little something this year, but can't even beat a team out of the Pac twelve. That's definitely a weak conference. Guys, we got to go to another break, and we will come back with our pick six segment of the show. We'll pick six of the top games in college football this week on the Blitz. Welcome back, everybody. It is week five of the Blitz. We have reached the pick six segment of the show where we pick six of the top football football games in college football this week. Hey, make sure you stay tuned or tune into the Sports Roundtable podcast where, where we are simulcasting the Blitz. We will have five additional picks just on the podcast alone. So either stay tuned or make sure you check that out. Guys, um, not a great week last week. For you guys, you went six and five. I, I had a losing record at five and six. So our current standings, Neil Waldeck still in first place. He has a two-game lead. No, he has a one-game lead. I'm sorry. On Aaron Host, he has a two-game lead on me and a four-game lead on Kelly Gamble. Let's get started with this week's picks. I was looking at the wrong sheet. That would have been bad. All right, let's start Friday night. Two games on Friday night this week. We'll go over one here in our pick six segment. Number 12, Penn State, they're 3-0, had their struggles against Pitt, traveling to College Park to take on Maryland, a team that looked great in the two opening weeks, and then lose to Temple. They get a bye week last week to prepare for Penn State Friday night football. Neil Waldeck, here we go, Penn State, Maryland. I like the Nittany Lions in this matchup. Uh, Maryland, you just don't know what team's going to show up, but but I think uh, Penn State's been consistent. I like them. Kelly. Two weeks ago, I would have never picked Penn State, but I agree. I think <laughs> Penn State is going to go in to College Park and take this game. Uh, Aaron Host. I'm actually taking the Terrapins. Oh, going to take I, an upset. I, I, we got I just an upset. have a feeling. I mean, here's here's how my sink to the bottom starts. <laughs> All right, my my stepdad, big Maryland fan. He was high on the Maryland Terps like he has, is every year going into the preseason. I started to buy in after the Syracuse game, and then after the the loss to Temple, I told him I never trust a turtle again. So I'm going Penn State. Let's move on to Saturday, get into some Big 12 football. Texas Tech, 2-1 and one on the year, travels to Norman to take on the number 6 Oklahoma Sooners, Kelly Gamble. Oklahoma's favored by 27. They win by 28. I, I'm with you. I think Oklahoma will dominate Texas Tech. Um, I know new coach in there. He still doesn't have the defense to even compete with Oklahoma. Aaron Host. Oklahoma Sooners. And New Waldeck. Sooners. Make well. it a foursome. Sooners. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. All right. 
More Big 12 football on the slate for Saturday at noon. Kansas, coached by Les Miles, 2-2 two and two now on the season, travels into TCU. Two teams coming off a loss. TCU, of course, losing to SMU last week. They're 2-1. and one. Guys, I, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game, and I would not be surprised at all if Les Miles pulls one out, but I'm going to stay safe and go TCU. Aaron Host. I agree with you. Neil Waldeck. Yeah, I like TCU in this matchup over Kansas. And Kelly Gamble. If I was a betting man, I would definitely take Kansas with the spot, but I'm taking TCU to win the game. Hey, guys, um, here's two teams that, you know, we talked a little bit about it in our last segment. Iowa State, uh, a lot of us had high hopes. I think all of us in here had high hopes for Iowa State at the beginning of the year. They are not looking like the team we thought they would be. And here comes Baylor. They're traveling to Baylor. They're undefeated. I want to see something out of Baylor. I know they struggled last week against Rice. I'm ready to see them against an actual team. Aaron Host, I go to you first. Iowa State, Baylor. I want to say Iowa State in this game. Okay. Neil Waldeck? Uh, Yeah, I like the uh, Cyclones in this matchup. Again, I wasn't impressed with Baylor last week. Kelly Gamble. I think if I was assessing Iowa State, I think that Baylor would be a game that we would say, just like you did, this has to be a must-win for Iowa State early in the year. So I'm going to stay with Iowa State as well. Guys, I've been high. I was high on Baylor last year. They were my surprise team. My surprise team again this year in the Big 12. I think Baylor gets one here. I'm going to take the Baylor Bears over the Cyclones. I'm kind of jumping off that Iowa State bandwagon. Kansas State jumps into the top 24 this week. They will travel to Oklahoma State down in Stillwater. Neil Waldeck, go to you first. Can Kansas State continue to roll? Here's two teams, guys, that we're saying are better than we both expected. Who's the better of the two? Neil Waldeck. Well, I got I like uh, Sanders, their quarterback for Oklahoma State. I like uh, Oklahoma State. I think they're offensively uh, sound. Uh, they, they hung in there with Texas. I think they beat uh, Kansas State. Kelly game. Oklahoma State Texas game is what swayed my decision on this one. I, I agree. Oklahoma State. I will go Oklahoma State as well. Aaron Host. Me too. All right, guys. We got one more in our pick six segment tonight. NC State. Three and one on the year. Of course, our only loss coming here in Morgantown. Here's the thing, guys. They beat East Carolina, Western Carolina, and uh, last week they've knocked off Ball State which Ball State was in it for quite a while. Traveling to Tallahassee, and we have all talked about Florida State's problems this year. Okay, they are numerous. Guys, I'm going to go Florida State in this one. Neil Waldeck. I'm with you on this one, Chris. I like Seminoles. I think it's going to be close, but I think Florida State escapes with a win. Kelly Gamble. I think Gibby has more problems than what he thought he was going to have at NC State. I'm going with Florida State. And Aaron Host. NC State we got one NC State in the building. Everybody, I want you to either tune into the podcast right now or stay with us on the podcast. We've got five more games coming up for you that we pick there exclusively each and every week. Everybody here in Preston County, man, get out there. Enjoy the Buckwheat Festival over this weekend with a bye week for the Mountaineer games. Just go down the Buckwheat Festival and get things done down there okay enjoy everybody we'll be back with you next week talking west virginia and texas right here on the blitz and welcome back to the sports roundtable podcast where we simulcast each and every week with the blitz on 96.7 k country 
out of Preston County. Preston County's number one radio station talking Mountaineer Football Plus each and every week, giving you five exclusive picks right here on the Sports Roundtable podcast with us tonight of course neil waldeck kelly gamble and aaron host and i am your host chris westfall that's a little tricky aaron host and i'm your host that sounds weird together right it's very hard for me (laughs) guys let's go back to friday night another good game another interesting game out of the pac-12 guys if you can make any heads or tails out of this pac-12 conference i'll give you a nickel Arizona State travels to California. California, the last undefeated team left in the Pac-12. They pulled up a good road win last week as they traveled to Mississippi. Guys, undefeated. Does California stay undefeated after Arizona State? Neil Waldeck. I like uh, Cal in this one. Uh, Cal uh, impressed me with their win uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, They take on Arizona State, although they're playing good football, but I like Cal to outlast the Sun Devils. Kelly Gamble. I agree. I think the Bears stay undefeated. Aaron Host. The Golden Bears. I'll go California as well for right now. It would not surprise me at all with the state of the Pac-12 that Arizona knocks them off, but I will stick with California. Guys, I, I tell you what, Notre Dame-Georgia last weekend was one heck of a football game. If you got to check it out, I, I was kind of writing Notre Dame off. I, I thought Georgia would just manhandle them. But how does Notre Dame bounce back from a game like this? They're back at home playing one of the better teams out of the ACC conference in Virginia. 18th ranked Virginia, number 10 Notre Dame, Kelly Gamble. I think Notre Dame shows their dominance against an ACC opponent because I still agree that Clemson is the only true team in the ACC. Um, Notre Dame rolls. I, I agree with you completely. Notre Dame is much more superior than anybody outside of Clemson in that ACC. I will take Notre Dame. Aaron Host. Notre Dame. And Neil Waldeck. I take the Irishman. All right, guys. Number five, Ohio State travels to Nebraska. First road test for new head coach day up there at Ohio State. Nebraska's an interesting team, led by Scott Frost in his second year, struggled in the beginning of the season, starting to work out of that funk. Neil Waldeck, do they have any chance to pull off the upset against Ohio State? No, I think Ohio State is just playing great football right now. I like the Buckeyes in this one. Kelly Gamble. Ohio State's looking like that team that uh, wants to be back into the playoffs, so I think Ohio State rolls. I think so as well. I don't know if Ohio State will win the Big Ten. I think Michigan's out, but look out for Wisconsin, Wisconsin man. Yep. Wisconsin, a good football team. I'll take Ohio State in this one. Aaron. Ohio State, but what you just said, I could definitely pick if Wisconsin runs the table as they're my final yeah. four team. Yeah, Wisconsin's a good football team. Maybe they got it all together this year. Guys, here's two more of those Pac-12 teams. Who knows? USC, man, losing to BYU and then beats Utah last week. They'll travel to Washington. USC back in the top 25 this week at number 21. Washington ranked 17th. I'm going to go Washington at home. Aaron Host. I'm going the same. Neil Waldeck. I like Washington as well in this matchup. And Kelly Gamble. like the Huskies. I want to stop here for a second. Okay. One to you two. One to you two. Both of you two over there in Studio B. You guys have picked every game the same again. Great First time this year. Great minds think alike, right? Yeah, there's strategy. Happened this year. Hey, there's my strategy pick was done involved. before his. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll look at their pick sheet mm. beforehand. But I, I think that's what they're doing they, over there. They were having a secret meeting of the secret oh, yeah. squirrel club over there <laughs> in the office before we took the air tonight. I, I, something. They're in cahoots. They got well, a plan, I, Aaron. I think it's just one of those weeks, Chris. Well, Kelly's at the bottom, so if Neil's following him, that's yeah, where he's going to sink but, to. But he's got to get past us to get to Neil. Well, See cream, what I'm the, saying? Well, the cream always rises to the top. Here, here's what I, I'm into conspiracy I theories this week. I would never go with any of you guys when it comes to my own mind. <laughs> Except for me, since I'm the leader. Well, let's see if we get one different here, because these two teams... Man, I tell you, Utah, of course, we already mentioned, loses to USC. They were kind of in the driver's seat in the Pac-12. Washington State is coming off giving up a 32-point lead, 32-point lead to UCLA and Chip Kelly. How does that happen? Uh, it shouldn't, ever. <laughs> Not in Division One college football or any Any division. form of football. Any division. I don't care where you're at. 32 points, I mean, to me, I, you just can't. That's falling apart. Um, so... I thought Utah had a better defense, but USC proved me wrong when it comes to Utah's defense. But I still still think that Utah has enough, and Washington State's going to fall at Utah because they're going to come out for their uh, loss after being yeah. up 32. And I think they're going to just kind of – they're going to be really hurting. Neil, do you agree with I Augie agree. Daddy Utah. over there? Augie Doggy, Augie Daddy? Yeah. yeah. Utah's uh, the better team in this <laughs> match. Utah's the better team. Okay. Hey, I tell you, Mike Leach has a, a tendency – uh, okay, Mike Leach teams, even when he was at Texas Tech, they, they look amazing. They impress, and all of a sudden they do something like give up a 32-point lead. I just don't see them being able to bounce that back that quickly. After that, I'll take Utah as well. And Aaron Host, finish it off for tonight. Taking Utah. Okay. Kelly, uh, Aaron's got a few different. We know Augie Doggy and Augie Daddy over here. They're, they're... Take Maryland. He took Maryland and... He took NC State as well. NC State, yeah. Yeah, so he's got a couple different. I think I got one different than you guys. So it should be an interesting week. Uh, We'll see if the standings get messed up any. And when you join us next week, everybody, we got a big game in Morgantown to talk about. West Virginia will be taking on Texas homecoming weekend in Morgantown, 3.30 on October the 5th. we got another week to get through for more Mountaineer football. Until then, this is Chris Westfall saying goodnight for Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host. We'll talk to you next time on the Sports Roundtable podcast.